All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield here, holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% or more on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. Awesome show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live. DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, and more from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern every Monday through Friday. Um, we have a fun one coming up today here, uh, guest-wise, as we get ready for college football this weekend because we are going to be off of doing live shows, new shows, for the next two days, Thursday and Friday. You will not be seeing new shows from us. You will be seeing best-of shows, fun stuff that we've done before in the lead-up to the weekend. So we got to jam all of our previewing into one day here. And thankfully, for some help on that front, especially with the game coming up this weekend, we got a couple of guys that have lived that pretty personally there in Joshua Perry and in Jake Butt, who hosts a great show, Red Corner, Blue Corner on Stadium, uh, going inside the Ohio State-Michigan Ohio State Michigan rivalry. And, Dad, that's one you grew up more around. You grew up in the state of Ohio. You grew up with Ohio State being a team that recruited you and yep. all of your brothers. And so I'd imagine have a little more familiarity regionally with this than I did, just looking at it as an observer from the outside who every year recently has seen this game as 
one that's not only a huge rivalry, but every year has had national title implications. And I know Mike told you the names, but just so we, we go deeper and you understand, Butt went to Michigan, Perry went to Ohio State. They do a podcast together. Yes. So we'll, we're really going to dive into this one. Yeah, listen, Ohio, when you were a... That was the, the, the other side of it is our, our family wasn't, uh, was kind of received poorly after both me and my brother Bob, who were both, we were both heavily recruited around the country, did not go to Ohio State. When you don't go to Ohio State as a high recruit, it's really frowned upon. Um, and, and I from never really Cleveland. had it. Yeah, being, being from Cleveland. And I, ne- I never really had an intention to go in there. Neither did my brother Bob. He started it off, obviously, in 75 going to Notre Dame, but I mean, yeah, you grew up around that rivalry all the time. Michigan, you know, it was Michigan, uh, Ohio State, it was Alabama, Auburn, it was USC, UCLA. You know, those were the, those were the ones when I was growing up that were the, the major big, big time rivalries. So, and it's huge in the state of Ohio, you know, with Ohio saying the team up north. And uh, yeah, many, many years of it, many guys that I played uh, against not in not in college who went to Ohio State because we didn't play Ohio State but in the NFL who were from Ohio State who I played way, going all the way back to a high school uh, all star football game uh, so it's uh, yeah it, it's it's pretty wild this week especially when you get into households that have some Michigan some Ohio State. Uh, where you get to talk about it in such a hated rivalry. The one that's, the thing that's amazing to me is we've had players that have transferred from one to the other. So, I mean, talk about getting both sides of it when you're involved on one side and then in this era of moving around, you, you end up on the other side of it. I think that's, that's pretty wild. So, as we've always said, the, the rivalry, while the players are in it, and I get it, uh, it is really more kind of for the fans, I think. I, I think, I don't know, some of them are different. Like, both of these are teams that have the countdown clock year-round that really build their program around beating this team. They talk about it all offseason. Everyone on both sides admits you're always kind of looking ahead to this team. And, Dad, I think the other factor in this is there's enough proximity. Like, Michigan and Ohio aren't next to each other, but you're right. close enough to party. I think regional uh, proximity always makes these rivalries better. It's why right. I always said yeah. I had way more red ass for Michigan than I ever did for uh, for uh, USC, USC because yeah. we were close by them. We shared a border with Michigan as a state, and we saw Michigan drivers on the road all the time, and we saw their fans all around. So you do get a little bit extra and just the makeup of that team. They talked a lot of crap, and I didn't think they deserved to based on how good they were when I was there. So You, you do. I get it. It's more rivalry by players in college than in the NFL, that's for sure. Uh, yes. But I think it's less than it was, and it's, and, and it's always been more – uh, on the fans and alumni and their time to kind of kind of shoot uh, shoot their shot uh, with that, but but you're right. Proximity helps Duke, North Carolina. You know, from the basketball side, obviously Alabama, Auburn, Notre Dame, Michigan. But I've, as I said, I've always been the Notre Dame USC guy, not Michigan, because if I didn't go to Notre Dame, I would have gone to Michigan. So I don't have that feeling for Michigan that you do and your your era of guys have. Uh, I do just have the distinction of. We had the first light night lights game at Notre Dame in 1982 was against Michigan when they brought in the uh, temporary lights, Musco lights. Uh, and that was the first night game at Notre Dame. So uh, that's a distinction I have with Michigan being at Notre Dame. Uh, so I, I, it's a great week. It's a great prep week. There's no need to 
or there shouldn't be a need to motivate anybody, especially in the Ohio State-Michigan game. I mean, it's more than just the rivalry game this year. Uh, it's winner basically is going to take all because they should then win the Big Ten championship and will be a lock uh, for the playoffs. There's the Ryan Day situation that Jim Harbaugh was in a few years ago where Harbaugh couldn't beat Day in Ohio State. Now Day can't beat Harbaugh in Michigan. How long does that go, even though Ohio State's sitting there ranked where they are? How long do alumni deal with that? where you're not beating Michigan, you're not playing for the Big Ten Championship, you're not in the playoffs. That's just the level these two teams are. So that's always added to it. But uh, th- this is well, this and is Jim Harbaugh's not even going to reason. be there this year, yeah. which is going to make that even more pronounced. Yes. Is, oh, by the way, if you don't go pull this off, and Jim Harbaugh's not even there because he's serving the last game and yep. his three-game suspension from the Big Ten, throw that over the top of the pile. So you're absolutely right. lot to get to. We'll get to it with Josh and Jake when they come on the show in a little bit diving further into this one uh because dad we've also got the thanksgiving of it all to contend with yep. here and it's twofold right like I, I i i have this conversation all the time because i'm a real pro christmas and holiday season guy i like putting the decorations up early i know you guys got trees up already we've all talked about this everyone on this show is pro getting started with the holiday season early but that doesn't mean that thanksgiving is any less special as a day because it is one that comes free of stress there is maybe the stress of having to have your relatives over have to cook but you remove all of the pressure of gift giving all the other ancillary portions of the holiday that really ramp up the stress around christmas time in the holiday season so i I think thanksgiving special day and for our intents and purposes it's covered in sports right you go wall to wall thursday into friday we've always had great college football on friday during uh during thanksgiving season now we're adding some nfl in over the top so all of that i think makes this stretch coming up an all-timer in both the sports calendar and the holiday calendar especially a few years ago they added that third game to the thanksgiving right it used to be just two now it's three games, yeah, and then you go into Friday with NFL as well. So yeah, it's a, a literal feast of food and a feast of football as well. It's a big day and it's a work day, and kudos to all those who are hosting uh, dinners, hosting Thanksgiving dinners, Man. because prep has been going on all week. It's a huge food prep today. You know, as far as getting everything prepared, you certainly can't wait till the last minute. And just there is a, it, it's such a production uh, when you're when you're the one that's going to have or it's your turn to have the family over. And you have to, you know, everything that goes with it from cleaning a clean house to getting everybody involved to helping. So big day today. Uh, and all I have to say is if you're going over somebody's house and they're hosting you. You know, when the meal's done and all that, help a little bit, okay? Help a little bit. Pick up a plate, take it into the kitchen, see where you can help a little bit before you, before you unbuckle your pants and plop down on the couch, which you absolutely should do. Hopefully you know that person enough to do it. But help around the house a little bit because that family or that person, mainly I'm sure the mom or the wife, has done all the work. So give them a hand before you plop down and take your, uh, so- take your food comb and nap. I'm going to tell you the real advice is you just, and this is the exact same advice that I would give to offensive linemen when there's an interception, is you're not there to actually make the play. You just need to show up in the frame giving great effort. 
Like when someone yep. makes an interception on the football field, watch the offensive lineman, they're trying to make sure that they're near it because when you cut on film the next day, your coach, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator, the head coach, just want to see where you're trying to get over there because you're a little bit too big to be expected to make the play nine out of ten times. That's the same way in Thanksgiving. I just need you in the frame. Go pick up a plate and bring it over by the kitchen, and then I'm sure the host will say, oh, don't worry about that. Just put right. that down over there. We'll get that to a little bit. Oh, are you sure? Like It's kind of like reaching for your wallet at dinner where you you just got to make it known you were thinking about it and you were willing to do it even though you're not actually going to help more often than not because you don't know where they put the things well enough you don't know how they organize stuff you don't know how the person who cooked dinner wants everything cleaned after the fact so nine out of ten times i think personally and jesse you can correct me if i'm wrong here i don't know what your opinions on are this are on this but just getting in the frame for me i think is usually the right way to go yeah i'm on the same you know boat as you are because i don't do any of the cooking so i just sort of show (laughs) up and um praise the food that's a good one Mm, um you know a lot of compliments but yeah i try to just show up when the food's ready and then leave before i have to clean anything Oh, wow, Jesse. Nice. Hell yeah. But Look at I, you. Just the antithesis yeah. of what we just talked about of helping a little bit. But I have provided the ultimate help, which is a grandchild. Oh, see, oh, so see, you're hanging you your hat on that, huh? Oh, my Boom. gosh. Wow. Boom. Yep. Welcome to the Thunder. Giving Dome. birth. Uh, giving birth like of, it's hard. In the midst of all of this. <laughs> wow. Yep. <laughs> gonna, Again, gonna bail that was you a out joke. That one. Okay. No, it wasn't was a joke. My joke. dad's serious. He's slandering no. motherhood. He doesn't yes. respect or appreciate the institution of motherhood. He's Just a monster, and you should all respond accordingly <laughs> at Golick on Twitter. Uh, no. Let's look ahead at some of the football that's coming up yeah. on Thanksgiving. We do have three games, as you mentioned, Dad, and none of them are expected to be all that close if you're looking at the spread right now. Everyone, at least a touchdown favorite in the three games that'll take place on Thanksgiving Day. We've got Packers at Lions, Commanders at Cowboys, and the Niners at Seahawks, which is the wild one. The 49ers have only played on Thanksgiving two times over the last 50 years, so not the usual brand of bird or that we're going to get to see in this one with them and the Seahawks, but uh, Dad, Packers-Lions, the one that feels a little bit more traditional to start things off the lions seven and a half point favorites against the packers team that just got their biggest win of the season you surprised by that at all uh no i'm not it's at home uh the way the packers offense can score uh green bay is is such you know it's still an, an inconsistent team so no i'm not first time what they've been favored since 2016 normally you would watch this game and it would be the lions who were going to get run over by somebody mm-hmm. you know and now they're one of the top teams in the nfc and deservedly so so these are one of these games you know they they can't you can't let go right you have a healthy lead against minnesota but you still have to play minnesota two times so you just don't want – you'd like to really create some more distance, even though I don't think Minnesota is going to catch them. Don't give them a reason or hope to think they can catch you. You know, win the games you should right now. Uh, and Green Bay is a game they should they should win. What do we have? Three quarterbacks under 60% completion, and Jordan Love is one of them. So he is – he looks good at times, and he doesn't look good at times. He's not a rookie, but he's a first-year starter. So he's going through some of that as this team is trying to rebuild yet after another Hall of Fame quarterback leads, uh, leaves them. So this should be a game. Detroit almost let one go last week with Chicago and made a nice comeback. 
comeback, um, which was very, very impressive for them. But they shouldn't have been in that position, and they shouldn't be in that position here. That's that's kind of when you know you're hitting the next stratosphere is you really take care of these games. And this is one they should. I know it's a division game, and I know it's Thanksgiving and all that. Our Detroit's used to playing on this day. But they should be able to take care of business in this one. They should. Uh, the thing I'm interested in this game, because I agree, I think the Lions win this game, and I think, honestly, they probably cover in this game. Uh, the thing I am interested in is these young Green Bay receivers that, especially in this last game, had a really good time. Jaden Reed both running the ball, you know, running the ball, catching those little jet handoffs and reverses. Yeah, but yeah. Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, when he was healthy enough to be out there, was a group of pass catchers that started to look like they had some of the versatility, especially in Matt LaFleur's offense, to make things a little bit interesting. But I, I think for the Lions, this is your opportunity to go, hey, big stage, grown-up team, different expectations this year. You've won some of the close games you've traditionally lost. Now you really get to put your foot down on the gas. Aaron Jones, it sounds like, is going to be unlikely to play yeah, yeah. Uh, with that sprained MCL, according to Adam Schefter, which is a big blow for the Packers in that backfield, obviously. So uh, we'll monitor that as well. Dead, of the last two games, Cowboys at Commanders seems like that's going to be a bloodbath. I am uh, very afraid for Sam Howell in this game, who anytime, just as a general rule of thumb, if you're a quarterback in the business of being sacked, and you start to get mentioned around the name David Carr, you need to start to like yeah. check in with your healthcare provider because things really aren't going well for you. And that's where Sam Howell finds himself now. Through 11 games, he is sandwiched between Derek Carr in terms of the most sacked quarterbacks through 11 games. David Carr leads with 58. He is third with 50. And right in the middle is Sam Howell at 51. If you are in the business of getting sacked four times against a Giants team that only has 19 sacks on the year last week I shudder to think about what this is going yeah. to look like against Micah Parsons once he gets the dosage of Juveno explode right this is this is really a lot on Eric Bieniemy, right? The offensive coordinator say, "How do I manage this? What kind of protection am I going to have to have here? Who has to stay in back uh, a tight end to chip and or block through the entire player go out late? You know that's going to be interesting to watch." Uh, how they go about that because this this should be a, the Cowboys are rolling right now we knew defensively how good they were but Dak and that offense has really been going so this just as I talked about with Detroit in the um, division game with Green Bay they're better than Green Bay and should take care of business and and Dallas is better than Washington and Dallas is going to want to try and catch Philly as they're two games back with a loss under their belt to Philly they play them again in a few weeks so uh, this, this is another one of those games, just what I said about Detroit. You can't give this one up. I know a division game can be different sometimes, but you just can't. This should be a win for you. You should be able to – and remember, when you're sacked that many times, how many more times are you hit? That's the amazing yeah. thing. So Howell's been knocked around so much. So I, I expect both Detroit to cover. I expect Dallas to cover as well. The best game, hopefully, should be the last game. I, I hope so. Like, if you were to have to pick one team to go and at least cover, like going against the spread board, even an outright upset, it would probably have to be Seahawks at Niners, right? Or Niners yes. at Seahawks, excuse me. Yes, it would. And you sit there and look at the situation right now, and this is, this is also the closest one with uh, San Francisco at 7-3 and three and Seattle at 6-4. and four. This, is, this is the uh, next couple of games – 
Um, these two teams play each other. San Francisco, they play the Seahawks. Then they're at Philly, and then they play the Seahawks again. That's what San Fran has in the next three games. So they're only one up on Seattle. They play them two times in the next three weeks, and sandwiched in between is the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's a heck of a stretch for San Francisco and an opportunity for Seattle starting tonight to try and say, okay, let's let's be right in it, right in the thick of this division race. Yeah, and, and a tough time for Seattle to be limping into this one here. Kenneth Walker the third left pretty early in the last game with an oblique strain. You had uh, Geno Smith going out some points of last game with an elbow contusion. It sounds like he's going to be good to go, but between that, having a backup right tackle, it sounds like, still in because Abraham Lucas hasn't been there. Like, Dad, you do worry, and I do, against a 49ers pass rush that's gotten a little bit of added juice with Chase Young coming off the deadline and the offense that now has all of its part back. And when we've seen the 49ers offense is whole, they can move the ball, they can do good things, and they seem to be the team that we all believe that they can be when you take away one or two of those parts. In the case of Trent Williams and Debo Samuel from a couple weeks ago, then the thing can start to fall apart a little bit. But they're whole right now, so I see no reason why they should lose. I don't either. I guess it's more hope than anything that this is a good game. It's what a seven point spread. And I I would take, I would give the points in all of these games, but this one you hope would be the most competitive one, but San Francisco, we've seen them not roll and losing three in a row, but you just said some of the reasons why they're whole right now. And they are looking like the San Francisco team that we saw earlier in the season where it was San Fran or Philly or Philly or San Fran as who the best team in the conference was. So all the, the favored teams should hold, but it's football. So, you know, it's football, it's Thanksgiving, so it's a short week, so you never know. Uh, injuries don't heal up as quick because you lose those couple of days, a little nicks where you're still playing, but you're still nicked a little bit, so anything can happen out there. So uh, I want to get to them because you're right. It looks bad on paper, and coming up next, we will get to just how historically lopsided it looks on paper and someone who knows a little something personal about being in a game with a lopsided spread on Thanksgiving. And I think the most important thing that any of us have to look forward to coming up for this Thanksgiving slate of NFL games. We'll do that next here and a little bit of college football playoff ranking reaction from last night here on Gojo and Golden. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic 
like research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great with convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We got some big spreads on this Thanksgiving slate, all hovering around seven points. So the last Thanksgiving slate where we had every game close like this was back in 2001, but the largest upset on Thanksgiving in the last 30 years belongs to Golic Seniors Dolphins. That is right. The 1993 Dolphins over the Cowboys. Miami was a 10-point favorite. Won the game 16-14. to Man, Golic Senior, what do you remember about this one? That's pretty impressive. Snow. I remember all the snow. It snowed. <laughs> there was snow all over the field. And I always like that, as I've always said, snow or rain brings everybody's athletic ability down to mine because all of a sudden the fast guys aren't as fast, the quick guys aren't as quick, and the strong guys sometimes can't get a hold of you as much. So I was a big fan of playing in snow, let me just say that. Uh, this game, uh, we were, I think, 10-point dogs in this game. This was the year that we had the best record in football and this ended up being our last win of the season. After this game, we had the best record in football, and we lost the remaining games and didn't even make the playoffs. We lost an overtime to the Patriots in New England, didn't make the playoffs, and as it turned out, that was my last game of my NFL career. I didn't know that yet because the league hadn't retired me then. They did shortly after. But in that game, we're down 14-13, but, but the offense drives down, and we have basically a chippy, basically a, a over old-time extra point distanced field goal for the win. There's about 20, 21 seconds left. And I've always played the right end on field goal teams. Did it uh, through each of the teams I played with in the NFL. So I was always that eligible receiver. I got to have fun in practice, like running a route, like I was going to make a catch and such. But I'm out there, and sure enough, and Mike, you know this sound. You've been on field goal teams. Is we're going to kick the field goal, and you hear the double thud. The kicker kicking the ball and then the ball being blocked. So you know it's blocked. So you start to look around to see where the ball is. And the ball ends up going in front of the line of scrimmage. It's kind of off to the right and spinning around like on the two-yard line. So it's past the line of scrimmage. So nobody, you know, we can't pick it up or do anything uh, with it like that to advance the ball. So we're basically all running and standing by the ball actually long enough to think about trying to push a cowboy into the ball so it will become a live ball. That's how much time we had standing there as the ball was spinning around. And man, I mean, I I love the guy. I've got to know him after. And Leon Lett, God love his soul. I mean, he just came sliding in thinking that he had to recover the ball, thinking it was a live football. And he came sliding in feet first. And instead of recovering it, he kicked it. So as soon as he kicked it, it became a live ball and it kicked into the end zone and we recovered it. Now they said we get the recovery like where it was outside the end zone, right where he kicked the ball. 
But we were stunned. It was this blur out of nowhere, him sliding in, kicking it, and making it a live ball. Our ball, two-yard line, another chance, kick the field goal, we kick it, we win it uh, 16-14, and that's the ball game. So just a, a tough ending for Leon Lett and the Cowboys and a just a miracle ending for us. Yeah, I mean, a game that gets showed every year. It's got to have yes. ruined the holiday for poor oh. Leon Lett. He can't. Yes. I mean, everyone looks forward yeah. to Thanksgiving, and this guy has to dread it because people are going to bring up one of his worst memories yep. and play it over TV every single year. So spend some time your Thanksgiving praying for Leon Lett that he gets a little <laughs> bit of peace. And big guys, make sure you're dude. always paying attention in special teams meeting because you never know when your number's going to get called yeah. on that one. Um, <clears throat> Dad, Thanksgiving and the NFL often all go together. There is one other time-honored tradition everyone has to look forward to, and that's the musical acts at halftime. And this year's halftime shows for Thanksgiving are no exception. The Packers get to enjoy, and the Lions, the musical stylings of Jack Harlow, the Commanders and Cowboys get Dolly Parton, and the 49ers and Seahawks get Steve Aoki, which feels the most spiritually aligned of any of those there, all just chasing the high of the 01 Cowboys who got to watch Creed perform at halftime in the only one of these halftime show performances that will actually stand the test of time wasn't dolly parton didn't she just perform at the tennessee game wasn't uh peyton manning there as well so she she yep. is she making the tour now the college and pro tour is that what's happening is it her residency setting up at different co- co- or football stadiums is that how it's going we should be so lucky <clears throat> yeah big dolly say, god willing that is what we all get so that's that seems like the biggest win of the weekends thankfully those commanders and cowboys fans will have something good to watch because i have a feeling the game won't mm. be involved there. Um, question, Dad, though, question let's get to college go. football. And, Wait, yeah. I have a question. 49ers, Seahawks, okay. Steve Aoki. He's a DJ, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's just going to be DJing? He's just going to be spinning up yeah. there? That's the whole thing. Well, Steve's big th- – the only thing I'm waiting for with Steve Aoki is his big thing is he throws sheet cake at The people. cake, yeah. Like, I don't know if you've seen this – yeah, Dad, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Steve oh, yeah. Aoki's yeah. whole bit is during his sets, he throws the sheet cake at people. It does feel like – and I get it's in the middle of the football game. I get the teams usually aren't out there. Pete Carroll needs to throw this sheet cake. Like, we need to hope that the game is in such a place or Pete Carroll just doesn't care enough at this point where he could come out. And maybe after the game, maybe if the Seahawks somehow pull off this upset and they're at home, you bring Steve Aoki down in the post game, and then you get, like, shirtless Pete Carroll throwing a cake. That's the visual I want to see. That would be amazing. I would just rather have somebody give me, um, just just give me a piece of cake. So <laughs> okay. that, that's what I, instead of throwing it and make me, now, I will pick it up off the ground but wait where is he performing it's 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 a grass stadium right is it is in san fran he's at he's in seattle yeah so he's at lumen field so uh, uh, how how awful is me because if you throw it on the synthetic field you're going to get all the the rubbery you know little things on it right that's on a synthetic field yeah but if Which you throw it on a grass field you're going to get dirt on it so that's, that's not okay gonna, i can either move, one of them i can move great. the dirt I'm going to pick up the cake and eat it no matter where it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in the five-minute rule or five-second rule if that's the way you want to go. I don't know. Five and I've just been told rule? by uh, – <clears throat> what's that? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, I pick up time. food off the ground. Jesse, 
Do you know what Mike did he one time? He wouldn't actually this pick is- up the piece of cake after five minutes. There's no way. There's no way he would actually do that. I firmly believe, especially for a piece of cake, because it absorbs. The cake absorbs all the stuff on the ground here. It's not like some sort of hard candy where you can just blow on it a little bit, maybe give it a quick rinse or something like that, and then understand. All right, it's particle free. We're good to go, and then you can consume from there. The cake it absorbs all that stuff. You've got no chance there. Uh, maybe a minute. I'd, I'd go a minute. I, you can just wipe the stuff off. I mean, seriously, I, it, it doesn't bug me unless you're throwing it in mud or, or, you know, something like that where, you know, there's something really bad on it. I'm going to give it a go. But, yeah, I never understood the whole throwing the sheet cake thing, in all honesty. I, and, and, and I'll even go further and say the whole DJ thing at a halftime. But every stadium now, college and pro, has a DJ that, that's playing stuff before games. So that is certainly the big thing now at all the stadiums. That's been that way for a little while. Now. And Steve Aoki, an incredible well, performer, friend of the program, and he has thrown a sheet cake at one of our uh, guys who works here, Steve Buchanan has gotten drilled in the face with a Steve Aoki sheet cake, so. Oh, wow. What an yeah. honor. Yes, yes. He has <laughs> been honored. And he said it was not, it had not been brought to room temperature yet, so it was a little hard, as you can see here. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah and it was a close oh, range wow. throw. Okay. So Wait, hold on. I mean, that's a point-blank throw, and there's no frosting on his face so that that had to be kind of a it was almost firm. out of the fridge yeah they did not bring it to room temp he said oh my, that what is that yeah that's abuse it was is a, what that is hard, i was gonna say that's yeah. an hr violation <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i think like that could have given him a bloody nose i mean that was no intense. i'm not in it for that I, I someone's throwing that at me like that i'm punching them in the throat <laughs> i mean that, that's just not happening no no, no, yeah. no. I mean, you got, well, and I mean, Steve's got to go up there and like test it beforehand, like yeah. get a little view of what he's doing. Because if you go and see it's that firm, that's a brick. That's no, that ain't a sugar cool. brick that just got thrown at his face. <laughs> yeah, it was. And he said it hurt. Oh, that damn just <laughs> Wow, that is can. not cool at all. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to bring Steve, oh, ba- Steve Aoki back and let Steve Buchanan get his uh, get his yes. revenge. Yes, yes, on that. that's what he's exactly to right. To take one in the face, mm. <laughs> in the face. Send him to Seattle on some vigilante stuff to go and get <laughs> Steve Aoki when he's at least it, <laughs> the time honored tradition of Thanksgiving concerts. Someone in the crowd, make sure that they warm the cakes up for you. Coming up next, we'll warm the playoff plates up for you as we look at the CFP and our Thanksgiving spreads here as we head into the holiday. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. The latest college football playoff rankings are out, as you can see right here. So, guys, here's what I want to talk about. Washington moved into the top four for the first time this season. Florida State fell to number five after losing quarterback uh, Jordan Travis for the season. That was kind of expected, though, right? Yeah, I would say people that were reacting thinking the committee was punishing Florida State for that were missing the point. We saw this coming last week and said as much on the show that if Washington got a win on the road in Corvallis against a ranked Oregon State team this last week, while Florida State was playing North Alabama that they ended up pulling away from even with Jordan Travis out, they were going to get jumped. So yeah, Jesse, you're absolutely right. This was not surprising at all, at least to me, Dad, and I think to most people looking at this practically. Everybody needs to understand if Florida State, even though they're going to be with their backup, uh, what is it, Tate Rotomaker now, the, the backup quarterback, if they beat Florida and they beat Louisville, they will be in the playoffs. There is no way, yep. no way that that committee could keep them out as an undefeated team, winning two games with your backup quarterback still going on and winning those games and remaining undefeated. So while we discuss these things every week, and I get it, I understand why we have to do that because positioning can be key more in my in my sure. eyes, positioning on just the outside looking in. And now Florida State is on the outside, but we know Ohio State or Michigan are going to get a loss. Florida State is not going to be behind them. Florida State is not going to be behind if Alabama beats Georgia and they both have one loss, whatever the committee wants to do with them. If Florida State is undefeated, they will be in the playoffs. Mike, do you, do you disagree any, any at, at all with that? No, I think it's pretty easy. And I mean, we've got a historical precedent on this, right? Year one, Ohio State did this. Cardale Jones was the third string quarterback to start the season. And he ends up winning a national championship for that team, taking over at the end of the year, almost at this exact same juncture. So, no, I I think... Florida State absolutely is one of the teams that still controls their own destiny. I think there's about six teams right now that control their own destiny going all the way down through. I would say, I would say seven because you could go all the way down through. Al, or No, I guess you got to remove Texas from that. But Texas yeah. and Alabama probably on the outside end of totally controlling their own destiny. But, Dan, I can say two things for certain. If Florida State wins out, they're going to be in and as we get into the conversation about the best one loss teams the teams potentially in there and the situation that everybody's worried about with texas and alabama because you've got the head-to-head win there (laughs) texas went on the road and beat alabama alabama's looked great since they play in the sec mike what if alabama beats georgia number one ranked georgia in the sec championship and you've got enough circumstances that now have us having to choose between texas a one loss potential conference champion texas and a one loss conference champion alabama who lost that Texas team guys they're going to put Texas in and I don't think it's going to be all that difficult a decision it wasn't like there were clear demonstrative changes on that Alabama roster it's the same quarterback it's largely the same players he's definitely played better as the season's gone along but this is not Sam Darnold's USC where you've got a clear line of demarcation and so I think that would be a pretty easy decision for the committee to make putting one loss Texas in over one loss Alabama if they're both there as one loss conference champs <laughs> I And I disagree. I think if Alabama beats Georgia, and I, I think Alabama would get in before Texas would get in. I think the committee, while I absolutely go head-to-head, <clears throat> I, I, that absolutely is one of the ways I would look at it. You would, that, would be, that would now be the best win of any team, right? You have beaten a number, according to the committee, you've beaten their number one team in Georgia. So I think if Alabama beats Georgia, Alabama gets in over Texas if 
if in fact it's only going to be one of those teams getting in that that's that's what i think yeah i i just disagree and especially if the big 12 championship works out to where it's a texas oklahoma rematch and texas right. could potentially erase their one loss of the season you've got extenuating factors that we can get to we will do our college football weekend preview and we will look at this game the louisville game that still hangs in the balance for the acc mm-hmm. championship and what their playoff hopes potentially look like but it is thanksgiving we have got plates to get to here in honor of the college football playoff committee's rankings we have decided to go ahead and rank our thanksgiving dishes as we look ahead to the big turkey day so we went top four i even went on the outside looking in thanksgiving plate items heading into the big holiday here uh we're gonna put these up uh dad you and i did this completely blind we did this without consulting one another and so looking up here whose list do we have up here right now is Is that me or dad gojo's plate all right this is my list here uh, and no surprise here, I went sweets at number one. I just went and thought about this, Dad. What do I look forward to the most every year when I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving? And it's getting the opportunity to try and eat an entire pumpkin pie by myself. Yep. I understand it's dessert. Some people even call it kid food. I don't care. It tastes good. It's the best pie on the table during Thanksgiving. Pumpkin pie, night, my number one. Dressing, not stuffing, because dressing's prepared outside the bird. Stuffing goes in the bird. And usually when I've grown up, we've had it prepared outside the bird. And then ham, the premier Thanksgiving protein. Turkey is a, a, a legacy play. It's got to be yeah. there. It's important, but it's not the best protein that I can have on my plate. And then I love a good green bean casserole, man. A well-done GBC with the little crispies on top, the little onion crispies that you throw in there is a wonderful addition. I get it's one of those things that only really comes out on Thanksgiving. I get we can have a conversation about including better foods overall that aren't just one siphoned off to one portion of the year in Thanksgiving. But if we're going to rock with some of the foods that are time-honored traditions, I think green bean casserole deserves as a place at the table. Shout out to mashed potatoes and sweet potato casserole who would be just on the outside looking yep, in for yep. me at that five and six spot. Well, you can. It obviously will will, will show that uh, we are father and son. But because wait, what's my dressing? List- I'm still confused. Dressing is stuffing that's prepared outside of the bird. Yeah. So stuffing, you know how when you're making the Thanksgiving turkey, people will put the stuffing in the bird and then take it out and serve it after. Dressing is just stuffing prepared outside the bird. God, maybe yeah. I just yeah. have no yeah. idea. Yeah, stuffing is, stuffing is just that. You stuff it in the bird and cook it with the bird, and then you pull it out. I, and I'll, I'll take it either way. It doesn't matter. I actually like it when it's cooked in the bird, in all honesty. But I love it either way. We have the exact same four. I don't think anybody should be shocked at that. I just have the two at the top flipped. I have stuffing number one. Uh, I have pumpkin pie number two. I'm with you. I'd like to eat an entire pumpkin pie. Uh, your mother even said we had to have a few people here. I know, Mike, you're going to be here. It's like, she's like, I think one pie is enough. I'm like, really? Really? Do you, you know, who's nope. now all of a sudden Not Mike's going to be here? I think we have to go two pies. So I go stuffing. I go pumpkin pie. I go ham. And then I do green bean casserole as well. I mean, I, I'm right there with all my right on the outside looking in, Mike, seven layer salad. Big fan of the seven layer salad. <clears throat> I didn't know that okay. was and a- you know what? I understand mom makes mom makes that every year. I love mom's version of it, there's no doubt. But it's man, so it's good. Just, it's almost too good for you. I, and I understand it's got a whole bunch of rich ingredients in it, but it's almost too good for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, onion, celery, bacon, lettuce, sour cream, Ooh. peas, mayo, shredded uh, cheese on the top. Yeah, it's it good. It is phenomenal. 
phenomenal. So that that is right there on the outside looking in. I almost put it in above the green bean casserole. Love mixing them together. So big fan of that. Jesse, what do you got? Okay, so I mean, these this is my Thanksgiving plate. So there's stuff on here that is just not on anybody else's Thanksgiving plate because we eat different at Thanksgiving. So we're doing a pork shoulder this year. Ah! So so we're going Ooh. pork shoulder at one because that's just absolutely delicious. We're going mac and cheese at two. My mom home makes a mac and cheese that is absolutely outrageous. Um, and then we're going to go stone crab claws at three. So we got some stone crab claws this year. And then wow. gravy. Gravy at four because I just feel like gravy is the goat. I put it on the stuffing. I put it on all of the stuff and it makes everything taste better. Is gravy a dish or is gravy a condiment in this case? I feel like on Thanksgiving, it feels like it's its own dish, to be quite honest. I get that you you don't eat it by itself. You put it on other things, but it felt like it deserved a place in my rankings because I put, I put it on pretty much everything on my plate. You know what? I actually agree with Jesse in that it does deserve special recognition because we yep. always talk about glue guys on a team. Gravy's the glue guy for the plate. It brings it all together. It's the tie that binds. I would say it's always working in tandem with its partner mashed potatoes in my plate, though. Jesse, does your does the mac and cheese have a little bit of like breading on the top to make it kind of that that's kind of crispy? It gets baked so it, and then you broil yeah. it so it cri- the yeah. top is very crispy. I'll take a picture okay. of it and send it to you. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like how that. How long does it well take done. to brine your turkey in Ace of Spades? Uh, the, how long does it take to brine your turkey in Ace of Spades? I mean, with how rich the rest of that plate sounds, it seems like the logical next step. I mean, God. Good Lord. Bougie. We have to address the elephant in the room because we just did our Thanksgiving plate rankings. And as soon as we go off air, our friend Jesse makes an admission to us behind the scenes in confidence that we are now going to completely betray. (laughs) Because she says to us, I had one thing that I really wanted to put on there, but I didn't want to sound bad and I didn't want to sound too bougie in doing it. But one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving every year is the Thanksgiving caviar. I have never (laughs) heard of anybody going caviar on Thanksgiving until I met our friend Jesse. I have never heard those two words put together. The Thanksgiving. Is that a special serving? Come get the Thanksgiving caviar before the meal. What the hell is that? It's just caviar is really good. You know, you did the little bellinis with the creme fraiche and the caviar. And I was like, man, I can't put this on here. I'm going to sound like an a-hole. I don't know any of the words you just said. I don't know any (laughs) of the words you just said. Outside of caviar. <laughs> yeah, okay, the little bellinis are the little potato pancakes that you put the creme fra- uh, Never mind. Uh, no clue. And, and I, now, again, I'm though, picturing my, Jesse my, eating Thanksgiving dinner like the Monopoly man with a little <laughs> monocle and a top hat. Oh, man. I mean, oh, I can't wait to send you guys pictures of my Thanksgiving this meal. This shouldn't shock us. She's oh. got stone crabs on there, which, by the way... I love, and they're coming up from Miami, so I don't know if they're Joe Stone Crabs or not, but I mean, I love the. Chris and I would eat, eat the, when we were down in Miami my last year, that was one of the good things down there outside of the football. They'll ship them, <laughs> they'll ship them right to your house. Oh, I know. Oh, believe me, I know. We've done that as well. Yeah, okay, uh, but thank caviar, you. Caviar. 
Thank you. Not, not on th- a, not on Thanksgiving, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ripping your stone crabs on Thanksgiving. Eat what you want. Caviar? I've never had caviar in my life, and I have no want to to have caviar. I'm just uh, saying, but it's, I guess it's not specifically Thanksgiving. It's more just like special occasion related. So like my whole family's together, mm. so we're doing it. But yes, I get. That's why I didn't include it in my rankings. God. Wow. I, you know what? I will say this wow. is a good reminder to people. We should not kink shame outside foods at Thanksgiving. Yes. If you've got baller food to make, put it in there. We have updated Jesse's plate, by the way, to now put caviar at its rightful place at number one in the Thanksgiving plate power ranking. And now Ace of Spades is on there. You guys are you hey. guys are trolling me now. My, Blue oysters my, and gold actually my, checking hey. it at four. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I'm I'm not gonna ask Jesse because I know her answer to this. Mike. Do you believe that on, oh, a random Wednesday in April, uh, before her and her husband sit down to dinner, they have some caviar? Just on a random one? I think so. No. I think so. It's a special occasion thing. Uh Uh-huh. Is it? Is it really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is. I can say, Don't I just, believe I just you. love that the closest I get to this is when I used to have Goldschlager with the gold <laughs> flakes in it in college. Yeah. That's as close as I got to ingesting that level of class. But again, no one should be shamed for making good no. food at Thanksgiving, even if it's no. not traditional Thanksgiving food. <clears throat> if you got baller food on the table, then you're winning. Yep. So make sure you go and leave it all out there. Let's get to Jesse and save you from the rest of us making yeah. fun God. of you with wow. our Thursday night TNF preview that's now going to be on Friday. Yeah. Yes, presented by Prime Video, so it is on. Now, of course, like Gojo said, a little different this week. First time the NFL has scheduled a game on Friday after Thanksgiving. So this is our Thursday night preview for a Friday afternoon game on Wednesday, okay? So uh, before we get to that, though, guys, uh, weekly Aaron Rodgers update because we just, we just have to get this in there. He says he wants to be back on the practice field in two weeks only three months removed from surgery on his Achilles. Uh, you know, an, an insane situation. He keeps talking about how he's going to come back. He is now giving specific well, dates, okay? He's giving specific yeah. dates. But he has said that he has a little bit of guilt um, over how things went down with Zach Wilson. This was obviously not the way any of us thought this was going to go down. It was going to be me and my show. and. And Zach getting to learn and watch it firsthand and not have the pressure to get go out there and play. And so obviously, you know, this is uh, disappointing. I, I have some, you know, personal guilt around the whole thing. I mean, I'm pissed that I wasn't able to play and frustrated that, you know, if I was out there and I feel like I'd be playing well, there would be obviously different narratives around our team. And Zach would, again, have the opportunity to learn and grow and see what it looks like. So no Rodgers, no no Wilson now. It no. is boil time, baby. <clears throat> yeah, uh, fire up the boiler and get ready to go for this weekend. Dad, I, I, it, Aaron Rodgers said he's been running in the zero-grav treadmill that helps guys in the right. rehab process. Wants to be back on the field. We've talked about it. It still seems like a real long shot right now, given the way their season's gone. I would be saying I feel bad for the rest of the guys on the team, too, which I'd hope was the implication there. Because while, yeah, it's been tough for Zach Wilson, I'd imagine it's even worse to be Garrett Wilson looking out here at one of the prime years of your career going down the drain. Well, that's exactly right. You know, this is a short career in the NFL for the most part. So uh, it's a year-by-year situation. And when you think you had that potential year and then it goes by the wayside basically four games in, uh, that, that that can make it a daunting task. 
this the situation now with Aaron Rodgers, <clears throat> I think, is getting to the point <clears throat> where the team is going to have to save Aaron from. I don't want to say save him from himself because maybe he can come back and be fine. But I get it from Aaron's side. Just as anybody coming back from an injury, you want to give yourself a goal, whether it's when you get hurt in the season, if you know you're going to be out the the rest of the season, I want to come back 100% the following season. You, You need that because it's a lonely time when you're rehabbing injury. So you want to have that goal, that marker of I'm going to be back. And with guys like Aaron, some of these markers become very obviously very, very public. And so there's there's not only the goal thing, but then the pride thing of saying I could be there and I could do that. Where in all honesty, this team is not a playoff team, not good enough to be in the playoffs. At some to me, I mean, the Jets are still his employer, you know, and say, Aaron, we we can't let you go back out on the field. We know this was your goal. We know you wanted to do it. We know this is basically what you said was going to happen. But, man, I I just wouldn't risk it. Why would you? He got hurt in four plays. Four plays. And to think there won't be another D lineman that's hitting him if he came back in for one series is ridiculous. He's going to have to move and run. and, And so to think that it couldn't happen again or something along the lines of a little setback, why would you put yourself in that position? And they're going to have a battle on their hands because Aaron has been very, very forthright forthright in saying, I will be back, I'm going to be back, and he wants to prove that he could make it back. So there's going to be a little bit of, I, in my opinion, I think a little bit of headbutting because to me, you don't just want to say, all right, Aaron, you made it all the way back. Go ahead back out on that field. Man, would I be holding my breath and biting my fingernails about that one to see if he could survive it. Yeah, they're plus 1,100 to make the playoffs right now. It's a total long shot, but it's got to be frustrating for him to look out at this offense every week and see what it could be. They have nine touchdowns in 10 games. They're the first team since the 09 Browns to fail to score 10 offensive touchdowns in their first 10 games. So at least average a touchdown per game, which seems like the lowest possible bar to clear for this team. All that being said, Dad, going up against this matchup, where the Dolphins are first in points per game, the Jets are 30th in points per game, everything skews in favor of them, the Dolphins are 10-point favorites here. There's part of me that wonders if the Jets' defense can keep it within the spread. Just because they do all the things that have bothered this Miami Dolphins offense, when we look at post-Denver, what's given them issues against good defensive fronts like the Bills and like the Eagles, the Jets have the guys in the depth up front to roll yep. bodies against this banged-up Dolphins offensive line and at least gum up the wheels of this offense a bit to keep it a, a low slog even if the Dolphins are still going to win. They do, but a lot gets on your shoulders every game to have to do it game in, game out, game in, game out, series in, series out, uh, to hold that consistency up. It's very difficult to do, and it can start to get away from you. And if it starts to get away from you, what happens is, is you go on that sideline, the confident, in all honesty, the defense has zero confidence in the offense if that opposing team pulls 10 points ahead, 12 points ahead, 14 points ahead, that we can't come back. Well, I know our offense can't bring us back. And, man, you then start to get that faraway look on the sidelines. Man, I tell you what, though. The last time, one of the first times, I should say, Zach Wilson got benched, we had the rise of White Mike, Mike White, who's now off the team. (laughs) 
Maybe Boyle's got a little bit of magic on Thanksgiving. I hope so, for the sake of one man, and his name is Al Michaels.